turn there. That's the section we'll be working through today as we continue in our journey through the letter of 1 John. Well, as a result of poor planning, Alan needed some same-day dry cleaning before he left on a business trip. And he remembered one store with a huge sign, one-hour dry cleaners, but he knew that it was on the other side of town, and so he had to drive out of his way to drop off his suit. And after filling out the tag, he said to the clerk, I need this in one hour. And she said, I can't get this back to you until Thursday. And Alan said, I I thought you did dry cleaning for an hour, in one hour. And she said, oh no, oh no, that's just the name of the store. (laughs) Oh my goodness, one hour dry cleaning. You know, that makes me think about this. Those of us who carry the name Christian, who wear the name Jesus, but then at times fail to act like the one whose name we bear. We can create confusion and disillusionment for those who have yet to believe. Well, over the last several weeks, we've been exploring the Apostle John's first letter to the early Christians. And the the key theme flowing through this letter is that word, koinonia, that word we commonly translate into English as fellowship. And John reminds us that real fellowship can only be found in Jesus. He reminds us that pure fellowship is so much more superior to the counterfeit fellowship that is offered in this world. And then last week, we explored the important idea of remaining or abiding, living in fellowship. If we're going to advertise that we're Christians, it better be more than just the name hanging out front. And so today we enter into chapter 3 of 1 John, and we're going to focus on the importance of what we're calling consistent fellowship. To be consistent means to be unchanging in nature or standard or or effect over a period of time. For example, in sports, we often might say of a competitor, he is their most consistent player this season. To maintain consistency also means to be compatible in agreement with something. And so we might say, perhaps of an accident, the injuries are consistent with falling from a great height. Consistency. And so as we consider our holy connection, our koinonia, our fellowship with Christ, we want to evaluate our own consistency. As I journey with Jesus, am I consistent in my walk? Are my attitudes and my beliefs and my values and my priorities consistent with Jesus, my Lord and my leader and my example? Charlie Chaplin was a huge movie star in the silent picture era. He was so popular that several Charlie Chaplin lookalike contests began to spring up all around the nation. Contestants would attempt to imitate Chaplin by dressing as the tramp character that he made so popular in his early films. Even a a young and upcoming actor, Bob Hope, entered a contest in Cleveland, Ohio, and he won it. But on a lark, one day, Chaplin himself entered 
a look-alike contest in San Francisco, <laughs> California. But amazingly, Chaplin failed to even make the finals of the contest. He came in 27th place. Oh my goodness. Well, you see, if we main a proper connection with Jesus, then more and more over time, we will begin to resemble his nature. But if we're merely playing a part, putting on a costume, going through the motions, that's not true fellowship. That's not real connection. We're just in a look-alike contest. And we may end up losing. And so in our text today, we're going to explore three ways that we can maintain consistent fellowship with the Lord. But before we look at the how of maintaining fellowship, John reminds us first and foremost of who we are to start with. Take a look at verse 1 with me. John says, See how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. And in fact, we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Wow, we, we could preach an entire sermon just on this single verse. But the reason that I want to pause right here for a moment is because at times we talk about the difficulty of following Christ or maintaining fellowship. And, and that's true. It can seem difficult to follow Jesus. But often, often the struggle that we experience is because we overlook the fantastic blessing of who we are in Christ. We become so focused on the doing and on the journey and on the struggle that at times we forget the core truth of our standing and our privilege. John reminds us of that blessing right here in verse 1. If you are following Jesus Christ, you are called a child of God. A child of God. What does that mean? It means that God takes ownership of you. You belong to God. You are His. It also means that you walk in grace. The rest of the world gets God's law, His judgment. This is how you failed. But God's children receive the love of God. See how much he loves you, John writes. That very first word is an important word. John, uh, it's a word of command. John says, see. Maybe your version says, look. If you've got the old King James, it says, behold. Today we would say, pay attention. Heads up right here, heads up. God loves you. Look at God's love in your life. It is lavish. It is abundant. That describes the blessings of being called a child of God. And John starts this way because there were false teachers that were coming into the early church trying to get God's children to doubt their parentage, to question their standing, to worry about their salvation. And you see, this is the work of Satan. 
in the life of the believer. And he's been successfully doing this since the very beginning, trying to sidetrack us from our journey and our koinonia, our connection, by distracting us with doubts about our own salvation. And so today, as we work through these ways of maintaining consistent fellowship, let us clearly understand the starting point of truth. See how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called the children of God. And in fact, we are. That is a statement of truth. Let's consider these three ways to maintain fellowship. But I want us to see these not as rules, not as measures of our deficiency, but instead as declarations in our life. Because I am a child of God, I will. I will. The first of these, to maintain consistent fellowship with the Lord, I will pursue purity. Pursue purity. I heard a story about a little girl who experienced a major breakthrough in her life when she learned to tie her own shoes. But instead of excitement, she was overcome by tears. And her father asked her, why are you crying? She said, I have to tie my shoes. And her dad said, well, you just learned how, honey. It's not that hard, is it? I know, she wailed, but I'm going to have to do it for the rest of my life. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And some of us feel the same way when it comes to following Jesus. We come to Jesus and we understand that it's exciting to be adopted into his eternal family with all the joy and all the privilege. And we look forward to his coming again as verse 2 reminds us here. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. That's exciting. But isn't there just a tiny bit of dread at times? Because we know that until he comes... We have to pursue some change in our life. We have to keep tying our shoes for a while. And so look at verse 3. And everyone who has this hope set on him purifies himself just as he is pure. What's John talking about here? Pursuing purity means that we will put away as much as possible the things and the people that draw us away from God. People who have their hope in Jesus will aim to be like Jesus. Now that word purity in its simplest form, we often translate it as holiness. Holiness, so that kind of scares us. Holiness. Purity. Purity means craving the Word of God in our lives and letting it impact us. Purity means that we bend our hearts to God's will and we then have the right motives, pure motives. Purity also means that we don't deceive ourselves about our spiritual life. 
we understand who God is and who we are in his grand scheme of things. And so purity means letting the forgiveness of God flow through us and impact us in all the ways that God has designed for forgiveness to change us. God forgives us so that we can live in freedom, not in doubt and uncertainty. You see, purity is much more than just doing the right stuff or staying away from the bad stuff. Real purity is all about pursuing the pure truth of God's word and Jesus' promises and allowing those truths and those promises to transform our thinking and our beliefs and our attitudes. And when we do so, we begin to pursue purity. And this leads then to our second area of maintenance. Number two, to maintain consistent fellowship with the Lord, I will live in Him. Live in Him. A while back, I walked into the laundry room at our house. And as I did, I flipped on the light switch to the on position. And it seemed that as soon as I touched that switch, there was this instantaneous burst of light from the light bulb for like a millionth of a second and then utter darkness, pitch black. I had just experienced the light bulb's last day of life. Well, we always expect that at the moment we throw a light switch that it's accompanied by a burst of light. But we also anticipate that the bulb will continue to glow and emit its brilliance through the room in which we're entering. We desire for our lives to be illuminated consistently with the flip of the switch on the wall. And we don't like it when it's inconsistent, when that light bulb decides to go out in a blaze of glory and then we're stranded in the midst of darkness and it leaves us just a bit frustrated. Of course, then there's that desperate scramble to, uh, to, to find a replacement bulb so that our darkened world can once again be brightly lit and our lives can move forward as planned. But isn't it amazing how a tiny, tiny wire confined inside the space of a light bulb controls our ability or our disability to continue on in activity. Once that filament breaks and the flow of the electrical current passing through it ends, anyone nearby experiences a taste of inconsistency. A light switch is supposed to produce light. And I guess we could say that in order for our lives to be ones of comfort in our home or our workplace or wherever we might be, that we need a ray of consistent light that helps to make our time pass a little more quickly and our day to be a little more pleasurable. Let's take that picture of light and our need and our desire for light and let's apply it to our spiritual walk. We like consistent light. And I think John's words in verse 6 fit into our day-to-day -day process of spiritual transformation. As we grow into the person that God desires for us to be, He desires consistency in our life. The more that we remain in His light, the more 
that we find the consistency of light growing in our own life. Listen closely to John's hint of our our need for spiritual consistency in verse 6. No one who remains in him sins continually. No one who sins continually has seen him or knows him. Do you hear the words of consistency there? When we remain, that's that word we looked at last week, to abide, to live in him then our consistency is to move away from darkness. To move away from continual darkness and into the light of life. The light of life that only Jesus provides. Now, these words can cause us to feel great comfort or great distress. Do me a favor for just a moment. Raise your hand if you're a Christian. Go ahead. Look at all those hands. Now, keep those up. Raise the other hand if you're a sinner. What's going on here? What is going on? Are we all in trouble? Are we all on our way to hell? I mean, John said that those who live in him do not sin. And so since we have sin in our life, we must not live in him. That's not what John is saying, is it? That doesn't have the ring of truth, does it? What John is saying is this. As a Christian, you are called to follow Christ. We're not called to do that perfectly, but the question remains, are we trying to succeed? Or are we content to fail? John is saying that if you are truly a child of God, if you love God like he is your father, you are going to strive for consistency. To spend time in the light and to move away from the darkness by living in him. Abiding. Spending time with him. There's a little village in Lithuania called Ramaglia. And every year they hold an annual beauty contest. But it's not the typical beauty contest that you might think of. The participants in their beauty contest are goats. The news outlet reports that at their most recent celebration, 500 people attended a parade in honor of the winner a 16-month-old goat named Little Spot. A total of six goats wearing varying arrangements of flowers and decorations were presented before a panel of judges, before Little Spot was crowned the queen, or would it be the king of the festivities? I don't know. The only thing we didn't do to prepare our goat for the pageant, related the goat 74-year-old Mr. Pekovicius, we forgot to polish its nails. Well, while the village there undoubtedly enjoys the tradition more than the actual beauty of their farm animals, the whole scenario brought to my mind an image that the prophet Isaiah uses, declaring that despite what we think, Isaiah says, all our righteous acts are
are like filthy rags. In other words, our finest efforts, our best goats, will always fall short of what God deserves. And yet, if we belong to him, he still calls us beautiful. So to live in him is not to dress up our goat, focusing on changing our actions or our activities. No. He already loves us. So to live in him means to be drawn to his light, to his beauty, to his glory. And as we are, we begin to resemble him, to live in him in a consistent way. Pursue peace. Live in him. And a final declaration for the child of God to maintain consistent fellowship with the Lord, I will practice righteousness. Practice righteousness. Take a look at verse 7 and 8 here. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God appears for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. You see, years before we trusted Christ with our life, our old father was the devil. And what did he do? He tied us all up in sin. And then Jesus came into our life, and he untied us from our sin. He rendered the devil's work inoperative, ineffective. He, as John says here, destroyed the work of the devil. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the work of the devil. The problem is that too many Christians live as if we are still all tied up. Sometimes we kind of act like circus elephants. Circus elephants, whose trainers shackle them with heavy chains attached to deeply embedded stakes when the elephant is very young. The young elephants cannot break free, and so they learn to stay in their place. But then as they grow older, stronger, more powerful, with the strength to literally pull that stake out and walk away, those elephants never do. You see, their conditioning has limited their movement. In fact, after a while, all the trainers have to do is attach a very small metal bracelet around each elephant's foot, attached to nothing. And those elephants will stand in place, even when the stakes are actually gone. And you see, that's the way some believers live their lives. They're still tied to their old habits. They're still tied to their sins, conditioned to believe that they cannot break free. And yet, nothing is further from the truth. Do not let anyone deceive you, brethren. 
If you are a believer, Jesus has loosed you from those bonds. He has untied you from your sins and severed your connection with the devil. Satan is no longer your father. God is your father. But in order to practice righteousness, practice, that word has the idea of repetitive behavior, doesn't it? If you want to learn to do something well, what do you do? You practice it over and over and over again. And so we are called to practice righteousness. Righteousness literally means right behavior. But in order to do that, we must first know the truth. We have to be aware that the shackles are broken and that we possess the strength to walk away. That is the truth. You know, in, in recent years, there's been a, a resurgence of the superhero. People love these superhero movies, don't they? Wonder Woman, Black Panther, Iron Man, Batman, Thor, Superman, Spider-Man, Captain America, the list goes on. Almost all of these films have the same formulaic plot. At the beginning of the film, our not-yet-a-hero is just an ordinary person, probably getting beat up. And then some accident happens in a lab, or the hero discovers that they've been a, a mutant since birth, and, and with that accident or discovery comes the realization that they are now a superhero with superpowers. And then they fight somebody or something, and they win. And then the movie's over. But there's, a, there's another crucial part of the standard superhero movie that, that usually gets covered in just a, a quick scene. And that is the training, the practice. Usually, superhero training is handled in, in what is known as in the movie world as a montage. You know what this is, right? Some cool song plays in the soundtrack in the background while we see our, our newly minted hero trying out this newly found superpower. Peter Parker covers his room with spider webs. Bruce Wayne pummels things in the mountains of Nepal. Tony Stark fires up a blacksmithing bellows in prison and hammers stuff out. Wonder Woman discovers as a little girl that she's faster and stronger than all the other kids. And the movie is telling us. So the hero is learning things. They're practicing, and we know that's boring. And so we're going to give you the idea that it's happening super fast so we can skip to the interesting part. Just hang with us and then we'll get back to the explosions and the punching very, very soon. Well, it's true, isn't it? The training, the practice is boring. But the training is everything. Nothing happens without the training. Without the training, our hero is just a person with a bunch of cool powers, but they don't know how to harness it. Without the training, the world isn't saved and the bad guys aren't thwarted. Without the training, we don't have a story. Instead, we have a hero who gets squashed with hardly a thought, and the villain goes on their way to a victory. Training is critical. Little children, verse 7, make sure no one deceives you. You have the power to practice righteousness. You can do it. 
you have the superpower to overcome and to become and to do things that you have been deceived into thinking are impossible. But they are possible because Christ lives in us. And so we close this section with verse 10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother and sister. Friends, the greatest power that you possess as a follower of Christ is the power of love. And the more that we practice loving one another and loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, the more that we practice that, the more that we will maintain true koinonia, genuine fellowship with the Father and with his children. Pursue purity. Live in him. Practice righteousness. These are not goals to be achieved. These are not levels to climb. But these are the natural outflow of who you are. A child of God. This is the consistent fellowship that our Heavenly Father calls us toward. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for this reminder of who we are. Father, we are reminded that you love us so greatly, so lavishly, so abundantly. And Father, when we are in Jesus, we possess that love, that power that flows through us. And so Father, today we pray that we would be reminded of that truth. And Father, where we are sidetracked or where we are deceived or where we are fooled by the things of this world, Lord, may we see even more clearly in the light of your word that you have a purpose and a plan and a desire for each one of us. And that is for us to grow in our consistency in following you. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would strengthen us as we endeavor to walk the path you've laid out for us. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.